Great. Good morning, everybody. Such a privilege to be here and see all your wonderful faces. Um, if you're visiting with us, uh, thank you so much, and um, we welcome you. Um, we're a community that is um, passionately in love with Jesus and um, looking forward to what God is going to do in and through us. This week, the equip, it's a time, Ephesians 4.11 says that he gives some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers, evangelists, and evangelists to prepare or equip God's people for works of service. So the evening meetings uh, are free, and uh, if you haven't signed up for the day ones, you still can. But I'd love you all to come. Um, people from all over Canada are coming, and it would be sad if we can't drive five kilometers to at least pop in. So uh, please uh, make the effort. It's going to be an amazing time. And um, just also, just a little bit, I'm battling a bit of a, an infection in my throat, and um, so I'll, I'll just have to talk slowly, and maybe a little bit quieter than I normally am. And uh, we've been looking at, uh, over the past couple of months, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and uh, His involvement in our lives, His involvement in the church. Who he is, that the Holy, who the Holy Spirit is, as part of the Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. We believe in that, and uh, all of those preachers are online, and um, they, some of them are more comprehensive from than others. But you know, it's uh, almost like sometimes, you know, as I've been preparing, that we we um, worship Jesus and we honor God the Father. But so much more we need to understand the moving and the importance of the Holy Spirit in and through the church. So we've been looking at that. And last week we spoke out of John 3. Well, I spoke out of John 3. I don't want to blame anybody else for that. <clears throat> and um, the royal we. Sorry, I just need to stop for a bit. And um, uh, about... The conversation that Jesus had uh, with Nicodemus, where he spoke of the indwelling Spirit of God. And um, I believe after that, the soberness for me of that preaches that it has eternal ramifications. This little conversation, and we'll see a little bit while um, now as I um, reiterate a little bit of what we spoke of last week. Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus has seen Jesus do some amazing miracles, and he goes and sees him at night, and he's saying, listen, I see you're a prophet, you're a holy man, you do signs, wonders, and miracles, and Jesus cuts straight to the chase. And he says this in verse 3, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, he's talking to, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. It's a... There's no wiggle room in this with Jesus. How can a man be born again when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. And like I said, I spoke extensively on this last week. And please um, follow up with it if you're interested. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to um, spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. 
So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And we go into way more detail than that. But we need to understand the moment we are born again, we receive the indwelling Spirit of God. And I just want to reiterate this again, that being a religious person or even a good person, um, being born into a Christian household or and attending church or being part of a so-called Christian nation. I don't know what that means, but um, many people say, well, I'm born in this nation, so I'm a Christian. Um, But that does not mean that you're born again or born of the Spirit. And therefore, you do not have access to the kingdom of heaven. Very serious stuff. Very important stuff. And we don't speak on this enough. We do not become a Christian by attending a meeting or by worshiping or anything. We do that by asking Jesus into our lives, confessing our sins and accepting him as both our Lord and our Savior. And it is extremely important that we know that because that is the entry. No one can enter the kingdom unless... They are born again. And if you've never heard this, um, God's brought you here today to maybe hear it. And please come chat to us or, uh, about it. Um, we would love to work that through with you. But having established that, today we're going to look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit in and through the life of Jesus. And uh, the story, this story actually begins right at his birth in uh, Luke chapter 1. 26 to 38. And here we see the most detailed account of the birth of Jesus. And um, if you close your eyes, you might think this is a Christmas message today. Uh, we, we may even sing a carol. I don't know at the end. But it says, I, can I actually sit down a bit, if you don't mind? A stool would be great. Yeah, where's that stool? So, um, it says this um, in verse chapter 1. Can you see me? Awesome. Actually, I think I'll just... (laughs) Can you just close your eyes and meditate for the next half an hour? Actually, Mark, this is really cool. Next week, I want a lazy boy. Fireside chat. So it says this, in the sixth month, God sent an angel, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in the town of Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel of the Lord went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never end. If you ever want to... Uh, meditate on the supremacy of Christ, go and read Colossians 1 over and over and over, where it says that 
in him all things are held together, that he is supreme over all things. This is the Christ that was born of a virgin. And she says, how will this be, Mary asked, since I'm still a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now here's the key, and this is what I want you to see. Jesus walked this earth, and we, we, we chatted a bit about this uh, a few weeks about, about the incarnation. Jesus being fully God and fully man. And uh, that's another hour preach, so I won't go down that right now. But it's something that we need to understand. That even though Jesus was fully God, as a man, he relied totally on the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that because this gives us hope. This gives us an understanding of what Jesus said when he said, greater things than what I've been doing, you will do in my name because I'm going to the Father and I'm going to send another, the Holy Spirit, that will indwell you and empower you. And we can do greater things. And I I think in some way that the church has been neutered. The churches have become a powerful, a powerless place. And God wants to reestablish that power, the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, he talks about the incomparably great power that is for us who believe. Who are believers? Who are born again? Some of us. You'll be born again by the end of this. But (laughs) that is for us who believe. Jesus says uh, in, in Luke 18 or Luke uh, um, 16, somewhere around there, it's the story of the persistent widow. They prayed and went, came to the judge over and over and over until she got what he wanted, she, she needed. And Jesus says after that, that's how you should pray. You should pray and not give up. And he says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the church? Will we have become unbelieving believers? Will we have become that? In these days and these times ahead, church, we need to see a manifestation of the Spirit's power in and through the church. People don't want to come to meetings. People have got so much on their minds. But when God begins to move, when God begins to move by Spirit, people will lay aside Victoria days, long weekends. And I know when revival will hit um, Canada is when the church is full in summer. (laughs) A two and a half month break (laughs) as a pastor. Lord, what am I supposed to do? But no, I know we need to rest and, and so on. But I tell you, we, this nation needs to see the power of God. Amen. And he says, and we see this, that Jesus modeled something for us because in, we read now in Luke um, chapter 3 from 21 to 23 that even though Jesus was God, fully God, fully man, for 30 years he walked this earth until his ministry began. He was waiting for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Remember, in Romans, he's called the first, Adam, the second Adam, 
and he's our example. And he wanted to show us what God could do with a man through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he started laying out a pattern of what that will look like for us and in and through our lives. And you see uh, in Scripture that it was not until the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus whilst being baptized that his earthly ministry began. In Luke three twenty one to 23, we, we read this. When all the purple people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Jesus in the Great Commission commissions us through the power of the Spirit to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations, baptizing him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and surely he will be with us. If, de- if Jesus thought baptism was important as a man, and the apostles, every time they gave the gospel, they said, watch, believe and be baptized. Now, you don't get baptized to become born again, but it's an act of obedience. Full immersion baptism. Now, I wish we were near the River Jordan and we could maybe go there afterwards and follow Jesus literally. But Jesus set an example as a man. And so he was baptized. And you can see some of the stories of John. He, he says, listen, I don't even think I should be doing this. I'm not even worthy of, of untying your sandals. John said that. John, John, yeah. Sorry, John the Baptist, yeah. And, um, and oh, okay, let me get my thoughts back again. <laughs> I'm a one-track pony. So I said, yeah, I'm not even worthy of doing this. But Jesus insisted. And it says in 21, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too with the people. And as he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from above uh, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son who I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was waiting for the power from on high. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. But it was also, he was the son of God. And then we see an interesting progression in the next chapter or so. And I just want to highlight these. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1 to 2, It says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, now returned from the Jordan. So he goes to the Jordan. He gets baptized. He comes out of the water. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. Remember, the Holy Spirit always dwelled in him. And it says that full of the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. So Jesus, baptized in the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by by the Holy Spirit. Where? Into the desert. Now, if this was a prosperity message, we know that for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And many, uh, uh, you know, it must have been a hard time for us. But God sent him. He was led there by God. And sometimes God allows us to go through trials, tribulations, through, de- devil, uh, through uh, desert times, peaks and valleys, because he wants to speak to us. To get our attention. And he comes out of there and it says, After the 40 days, uh, 
Jesus returned in Luke 4, 14 to 20 to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and led by the Spirit. And he comes and he's empowered in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in the synagogues and everyone praised him. So he was the dude right now. You're going to see that changes very quickly. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Remember, he was not born in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem. But he grew up in Nazareth. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So his custom, like our custom, was he went to church every week. As was his custom. We've seen a lot of examples that he's put in here. And he stood up and read. He was, obviously had done this before. He stood up and read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And this is Isaiah 61 that was prophesied 600 years earlier. And we need to understand that they didn't have a Bible like this. They had a scroll. The, the books of the, uh, Isaiah was one story. There were no verses. There were no chapters. So he purposely went and found the scripture. And he, he, uh, and he reads this. The spirit of the Lord is on me or is upon me. The power of the Holy Spirit has come upon me because he has anointed me. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms lives. Church, we can preach good sermons, we can sing beautiful songs, but unless we are relying on the Holy Spirit, there's no anointing. And it cannot break anything. It just becomes wise and persuasive words. And Paul speaks about this in Corinthians chapter 1. He says, when I came to you, I did not come with wise and persuasive words. We are not going to debate people into the kingdom. Because every answer we have, they have. It's a conviction. It's the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus said in John 14, 13, I think, he will convict the world, the Holy Spirit, of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. So it's the anointing that breaks a yoke. It's anointing that, that convicts us of our sin. And it's anointing that draws us to Jesus. Outside of the anointing, we have nothing to offer. And there are many good churches preaching good messages with good songs. But you know when you come into a place where the Spirit of the God is. And we want to be that people. I believe we are going deeper and deeper still. I believe, you know, if we were ankle deep, we may be knee deep. But God wants us in over our heads in the anointing. Amen. And this is what God sent him to do. And this is what God has sent us to do. To proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. Now there is a physical side of that, but there's a spiritual side of that. People are spiritually blind. They need their eyes open by the power of the Holy Spirit. They are, they are prisoners to addictions. They are prisoners to so many things. And we need to come in the power of the Holy Spirit and see the captives set free. And that includes ourselves. Yes. We need to be set free. 
from the power of sin. And we cannot do it. It's not like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to really try and be good. Well, don't say that because it's more than likely going to be your worst day. (laughs) How many of you have had those? No, God, I need you. It's in your power and in your anointing, in your anointing alone. And if we're not drinking in the river of God, if we're not spending time in his presence daily, we have nothing to offer. The world should not see us the same as the false religions. Oh, you're just a religious person. And this is what you do, and this is what they do. The world should see the power of God in action in the church. The enemy is not afraid of a powerless church. He is not afraid of it. But in Ephesians 6, it says, When we are strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, we can do great things. For the battle isn't ours, it's his. And we need to understand that what we're dealing with in the nations, it's not a new government. It's not how many of you say, man, if this government changes, we're really cool. Well, normally same old, same old. We put in our faith in the wrong things. It's through the power of prayer, through the spirit moving, that in the church first, that will transform a nation. Interesting, God says this in, in Chronicles. If my people, not the nations, if my people, and we are his people, will humble themselves, will pray, will turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, I will heal the nation. You can complain all you want, we can, about the political system. Remember, it was Paul who said, pray for those in authority, and he was referencing Nero, who was the one that chopped off his head. Because he was looking for a future thing. He needed, wanted to see breakthrough. And we need to pray for our leaders. Church, I want to get on this, on this a little bit here. It's not in my notes, so maybe that's a bad thing. But, church, we must stop speaking negative stuff about our nation. Stop doing that. We must pray. If God puts something on, stop speaking negative stuff about the United States. You know, if that place is truly shaken, we're thinking we're cool, we go down with them. Pray for them. Pray for the nations. Pray for the peace and prosperity of the city. In exile, in in Jeremiah 29, the, the, the Jews have been decimated. They're in exile. They're in Babylon. And they're crying out to God, which they didn't do when he was warning him through Jeremiah. They were crying out. And he says, okay, this is what you need to do. Pray for the peace and the prosperity of your city. Babylon? Nanaimo? Are you kidding me? Because if it prospers, we too will prosper. And he says, build houses, settle down. He's saying this is, have children. Don't wait till the exile's over. You, it was going to be 70 years, I don't know how far they were into that exile, but maybe halfway. You settle down, build houses. And he says, for I know the thoughts I plans I have for you. 
Thoughts for a hope and for a future. And when you call on me, I'll answer you. He gives this amazing prophet. He says, where you are, be the salt and be the light. Take it out of the bed, church. Take it out of a meeting and take it into that world. And make it change. And we, the best way we make change is through our good deeds. Not telling everybody what we think. Not telling everybody our political views. Not telling this. Because I tell you what, as soon as we... I, and I've had a pastor, I've had to remember this long ago. Because I remember making a comment a few years ago. And because there's about a 50-50 split on privi- privi- um, political views, I had half the church mad with me and half the church happy. <laughs> I nearly, I nearly caused my own church split. It's not worth it. We're kingdom people. We're kingdom people. Let's remember that. Let's speak life. Speak life. Go down to the city. Pray on those walls. Pray God. Bring, bring God to Nanaimo. Let this be a city on a hill, Lord God. You know why Nazareth and Nanaimo are very similar names, eh? And I want to sister cities. I want to tell you. They said, what good could come out of Nazareth? That's what they said. The religious people. And often they might say, what good can come out of Nanaimo? Well, just you wait and see. Amen. Just you wait and see. Amen? Amen. Amen. And this is what is to proclaim freedom. To release the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the year of uh, Jubilee, where debt was fully canceled. Mm -hmm. And that is canceled in and through Jesus Christ, our sin, past, present, and future. Then he rolled out the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Remember, this was little Jesus was that in the junior Sunday school in the synagogue. You know, standing on the steps, debating people. He was running around. He was helping his dad make furniture. They knew this boy. They knew him. And it goes on to say this. They fastened their eyes on him, and he, be, and he began by saying, Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, they were looking for the Messiah of Isaiah 61 that Isaiah prophesied. And he said, I am the Messiah. And it didn't end too well for him. You see, full of the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and led by the Spirit that came upon him. And then in John 7, a few months later, maybe, I don't know, Feast of Tabernacles, he stands up and he says this, Whoever believes in me, 37 to 39. As the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. Water in, water out. Spiritual water in, water out. The interesting thing about Israel, and I believe it's a prophetic picture. Got the Sea of Galilee and, and the Dead Sea, and I could have my brother James come tell us all about that. And God willing, we're going to go there with them next year to Israel. And um, the Sea of the Galilee is full of life. Jordan runs in, 
Sea of Galilee, runs out into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is dead. Why? Because there's no outlet. There's no outlet. You're either going to get full of salt like that place or it's going to become a swamp. By this he meant the spirit. By this he meant the spirit. The river in, the river out. Whom those who believed in him would later receive. Up until that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So it says, soon, the Holy Spirit's going to come. The river of God. But it's for the thirsty. It's for the thirsty. It's for the thirsty. We cannot drink if we're not thirsty. We can come to church every Sunday. We can go through all the motions. But unless we are thirsty for God, it doesn't work. But God wants to make us thirsty again. And we see the fulfillment of this in John chapter 20. You see, Jesus was glorified when? After he rose from the dead. So I said, you will receive this after I'm glorified. I'm going to die. I'm going to pay the price for your sin, past, present, and future. And I'm going to be risen from the dead. And in that, I'll be the exalted king that God exalted above all names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and earth and under the earth will bow and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus, John 20, uh, Jesus, uh, the, the story starts with the empty tomb and so on. And Jesus is now glorified through the resurrection. And he appears to his disciples and breathes on them. And they receive the indwelling spirit of God. That's when the disciples became born again. That, at that moment, when they received the indwelling spirit of God, they were born again. If you read the story, they were running away. They didn't know what was going to happen. They were afraid that they might get crucified themselves. Jesus was denying Christ. It was a hard time. Even though Jesus had prepared them. And that's the grace of God, isn't it? Even when we fear and when, even when we doubt, God is there for us. And this is an amazing little story in John 20, 19 to 22. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples, that's not Monday, that's Sunday in the Jewish, when the disciples were together, Resurrection Sunday, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Man, they followed this guy for three years. They ate with him. They moved with him through the cities. The people and the authorities knew them. And they were thinking, if they do that to Jesus, what will they do for us? They were in fear. They were hiding. They were locked in a room. Jesus comes right through the wall. And his disciples... Uh, like for fear of him, of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them. And the first thing he says, peace be with you. 
because they were freaking out. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again Jesus said, peace be with you. When did they become believers? When they saw the Lord. So before that, they were not, they were following the, maybe a holy man, a prophet. Yes, Peter had that revelation of Christ, but it hadn't fully captured them until they saw the risen Savior. And it says that as the Father sent me, so I am sending you, all of my disciples. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, the disciples are born again and receive the indwelling Spirit of God. Then 40 days later, he's walking with them. 40 days, seen by a number of people. I spoke on this resurrection, on a resurrection, almost a little case for Christ and the resurrection. It's on our website if you want to go and see that. But he's with them for 40 days. Seen by many people at one uh, one stage over 500 at once. And moments before his ascension, this is what he promised. Literally moments. He he says these words and then he ascends into heaven. So these are his last words to his precious friends. And I tell you, last words on anybody's uh, life are normally some of the most profound and most important that they have. And it says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. The gift, the Holy Spirit that my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And if you go back in the Gospel of John, from John 14, 13, 14 onwards, he's preparing them for the counselor, for the paracletos. He's preparing them to receive the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to leave you alone. Another one is coming. He's going to live in you and he's going to walk beside you and he's going to empower you. So he had prepared them for this. And he said, you've heard me talk about this. For John baptized with water. But in the few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now these guys have the indwelling spirit that has come in them. Now the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them. And remember, in the beginning of Luke, we see that where the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Jesus was God, incarnate. But he was modeling something for us, and he relied totally on the Holy Spirit to do what he did. And you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, they're still trying to work this out. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They still thought it was about the restoration of David's throne would be literal. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the time or the dates. For the Father set, uh, all the dates the Father set by his own authority. <clears throat> Just a little bit. There's a lot of stuff going on about end times and we have to discern the times and it could be the end times. Uh, people thought that it was in Hitler's time. They thought it was in this time and this time. It's not for us to know. We need to be prepared and we need to be ready. But for us to be, 
focused on this is the date or this is the date. Jesus says, it's not for you to know. Just go and do what I've told you to do. And if we stop arguing about when Jesus is coming back or, or, uh, and, and so on, and he is coming back, and he is coming back soon, I fully believe that. But I don't know the time and the date, and nobody does, according to Jesus. Okay, because that distracts us from going making disciples. That distracts us from going into the world and doing good deeds. That distracts us. And we're saying it's wrong. We better pray and be prepared every day for the coming back of Jesus. We do not want to be like the foolish virgins. I'm prepared with no oil. There are warnings about it. But you know, Peter and Paul spoke and they wrote as if Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. And do you know what they did in the church and in their lives? It gave them an urgency. An urgency. And we need to have that urgency. And I tell you what, if, if I go out here uh, and I'm hit by a bus, please, I, I just want to say this. That's going to come before the resurrection. So I better make sure I'm ready. And I please God, I don't want to be hit by a bus. But... Guys, we've got to make the main thing the main thing. The main thing is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And discern the times. And we need teachers. And we need these guys to help us understand what we're living in and living through. But I tell you, it gets so so consuming and often splits churches. Not for you to know the times or the dates. These are... Definitive statements. The Father has said by his own authority. But, I am coming back. The end times are coming. There's going to be a restoration. But, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit comes on you. And I want it Desperately to bring a chainsaw here today. I was really had it in my mind and I was backwards and forwards and a handsaw. Both can cut down a tree. But which is the most effective? Handsaw? A power saw. The power of God. The power of God that lives in us, that gives us discernment, that gives us, speaks to us, that leads us and guides us. And we can hit straight to the chase. We're speaking to somebody and they're telling us the problem. We're praying in the spirit. We're asking God for insight. And bam! You have the answer. It's called a word of knowledge. It's called discernment. These are power tools because it changes people's lives around. And we need power. We need the power of God. And you will be my witness. Through this power, you will be my witness in all of Judea, Samaria, uh, uh, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then 10 days after that, Jesus then goes into heaven. 10 days later, they're in this upper room. And all heaven breaks loose. Don't we want to see all heaven break loose? Yes. No one only see that? A brother in this church was telling me a little bit about a revival in Shemanus in the 70s. In Shemanus, 
in the United Church. And they were praying, and the fire engines came because they saw flames coming out the building in Shemangas. It was the Spirit of God coming down on the people. Don't you want that? And so this is what it says. Ten days later, Jesus is... They're still trying to work this out. They're praying. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That's what the the NIV says. But the King James puts it properly. They were all together in one accord. We can be together in one place, but not in one accord. There can be discord. But there was unity. They were working together. They were praying together. They were trying to work this out. They were all together. And where unity is, Psalm 133 says, God commands his blessing. God commands his blessing. And they, in one accord, and this is what happens, and they saw what seemed like tons of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled, all these believers were now filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then Peter, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, boldly begins to preach. And the church is birthed in power. And 3,000 people saved in one day. A power tool arrived. A power tool arrived. And you go and read that account of what Peter says. This is what was spoken of the prophet Joel. Wow, now I can see. I pour my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Our men will dream dreams. And young men see visions. And, and, and all of that. He says, now, now I'm beginning to see this. And the book of Acts is not the book of Acts of the disciples. It's the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of Holy Spirit manifest in that young church that changed an empire. That changed the whole of the Roman Empire in a couple hundred years. And that's what we need, church. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And if the worship team can please come forward. I'm going to ask you this. If you, two things, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and honestly, it's often because of wrong teaching or nobody preaches about it. Many people go to church, God bless them, all their life and never ever hear about being born again. So it's not in a sense your fault. But now you know. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And this is a sobering time, the most important decision in your life. And I could ask you to stand and come forward and we pray. But I want to pray with you right where you are right now. You can repeat this. But what I do want you to do, if you do pray this prayer for the first time, I want you to please tell somebody. 
There's something about speaking. Speaking your faith out. You're never too bad for God. There's two types of sinners. There's a self-indulgent. People that run hard after the flesh and do all kinds of stuff. And then there's the self-righteous. Who feel they don't need God. They can save themselves through the good works. And God loves them both. All of us. And if you have walked away from God, it's an opportunity for you to make right with God right now. He loves you. He's not angry with you. He's not faced by your sin. Because Jesus took it for you. So if you bow your heads, just a little softer, please. And... I'm just going to ask you to repeat this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for my sin on the cross. And when you took the sin of the world, my sin was included. And you paid the price for my sin with your own very body and blood. And through belief in you, I can be saved. So Jesus, first of all, I want to acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior as I go through this process. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. So you can be my Savior and my Lord. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And Lord, in this instance, through the power of the Spirit, through the mystery of the Gospel, I am now born again. Breathe upon me. Holy Spirit, come. Take your place in my life. I surrender to you, Lord Jesus. I'm not going to try and save myself anymore. I'm not going to try and do it on my own. I'm going to come to you daily. And in Hebrews, you tell me that when I come to the throne of grace daily, Hebrews 4, that when I come there, I receive mercy when I ask you for forgiveness. And mercy simply means I get what I don't deserve. And I find grace in my hour of need. And Lord, we thank you for that that you are a merciful God, that you love us. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and empower us. And then as we worship, I'm going to ask some of the leaders to please come forward.
to stand in the front, spiritful ones. And if you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, today we want to pray with you. For you will receive power. Don't be afraid. Luke 11. Jesus says, if you ask for a fish, will I give you a stone? Or bread, will I give you a serpent? Or something like that. And he says, how much more will our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He will not give you something to harm you. He loves you too much. But he wants you to receive power from on high today. So as we stand and worship, if that's you, if some of the leaders, spiritful ones, if you're part of this church, if you're a visitor, we just want our people to pray for the people today. If you don't mind, if you're filled with the Spirit, just pray where you are. And let's see God break loose. Many have been told that the Holy Spirit is not for today, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of God more than they did in the book of Acts. And it's available to you. So come, thirsty ones, come in Jesus' name. Let's stand and worship. And please come forward if you want to receive the Holy Spirit.